Hello, and welcome back to Film Festival Reviews. This is Christina Kotlar, your host, and today I'm on with Doug LeClaire and 40 Years of Asbury Shorts USA, a theatrical event. You find the best short films, award-winning films, film festivals from submissions, and they make it into a theatrical event. Films projected on a real cinema screen. Asbury Shorts is called the off-off Broadway of short films. So what do you look for in a short film, I ask? A good story with a great ending. Okay. How are you? Okay, good. I just came off a radio interview, and then I have to do this uh, for the first time ever. I have to create, for a Florida show we're doing, we have to create our own 30-second spot, which was a little unnerving. So they told me how to do that, since I don't have a studio here. So that'll be the next thing, but well, you're I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you've come such a long way. I'm so happy, really. Asbury Shorts, USA. I love when you write the, an evening of the world best short films. Well, first of all, coming up with that concept was brilliant. And then moving it around to the places to show it and to go along all this time. It must have been a challenge, of course, as anything else with the COVID thing yeah. going on. So yeah, I mean, in think? 2019, we had 25 shows on the road plus the Manhattan show, which is our flagship show. And then, you know, SARS hit and we lost 20 shows in 2020. And, but we were able to get back up on the horse uh, last August. So we had a nice run from August 21 to through November, about 15 shows. Absolutely. I think that was that lull that we had just a little bit. Everybody was feeling pretty good about it, but people were being safe and they were wearing masks. Yuri and I did go to the Woodstock Film Festival in person. Nice. And, and that was the beginning of October. And then you know, into November and people started <laughs> getting too relaxed and saying, oh, I'm going to go see my family and go traveling and everything. And there we are. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I mean, look at look at Broadway. Some are in, some are not. I'm just happy to hear. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the the media playing it as as somber as they do every single day, 20 hours a day. But the fact that there's some numbers going down in our area, that's a good thing. I think. I think I'm thinking positive for the future. We're going ahead with our tour. We begin with five shows in Florida. We're heading down February 4th, some of our longtime clients. That's a perfect time of year to be in Florida. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, February so, up in this area, we just uh, can't wait. To get ready you. this weekend. I hear it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. I know. So why, you still call them concerts. How, how did that concept come about? And, and does that really work for people? Do they understand what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. We've been, it's 20 years of that now. And what, what we did was we didn't want to be part of the traditional film festival world years ago. When we first started on Long Island, it was a 
party. It began as a party on Long Island to show college films in the early 80s. There was no outlets for Hofstra films, New York Tech films, Adelphi. So we pulled that together and we found people wanted to see these things that they could only see it, you know, in, in the schools. So we made them public. And that began on Long Island. And then a couple of years down the road, we started to bring in more independently produced shorts. And we were all working in the film business in New York at the time in Manhattan. So we said, well, let's bring Asbury shorts to Manhattan and let's make it a film festival. And it's not a party anymore. (laughs) So for a good long time, it was a once a year, one weekend a year film festival in Manhattan. But around the end of the 90s, early 2000s, we just felt that there was a film festival on every street corner on the globe. Yeah, so we're not competitive and we've never given awards. So it was more like a a mix of uh, old hits and new hits. And that's where the concept of a concert came about. I have to say my favorite, really all-time favorite, was the superhero couple. (laughs) Yes, superpowers. Superpowers. Yeah. (laughs) always remember that it always made me laugh you always were able to really combine some very interesting things because i've seen it a couple of times i'm really happy i was able to uh, when i was uh, living yeah in you also hosted the show one year which was great in new oh, jersey you did a great job thank you i mean thank you picked you a good one that. there that's a perfect example of what we consider a successful short and obviously we've had hundreds of them but there's your you know if i lecture at a at a college or uh, talking about tv commercial production or asbury shorts i kind of combine it there's always the question what do you look for in a short film from a student you know and i just say well a obviously a good story if it's not a documentary if it's narrative a good story but the most important thing is the ending we 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 over the years we've seen five thousand shorts you know to to pick for our shows and more often than not it starts off well the piece but they just don't know how to end it and it falls flat and superpowers of course works as a six minute piece from beginning to end and it's a great example when you um, go to one of your tours <clears throat> do you program the show according to where you are. Or do you have a certain program that you find that successful and then you use it, testing it out in, in different uh, in different audiences with different audiences? Because that's what I found with film festivals. There are certain film festivals that have cultivated a very sophisticated film audience. And then yes. there's others. As we know, Sundance is wonderful, but everybody comes in from all over the place and you can never tell how good the film really is because it just depends on on the people watching it. It's a great point. We've embraced our older demographic audience in most of the cities where we do. And these are folks that do not regularly attend film festivals or the day after our show would even think about seeking out seeing short films on YouTube or Vimeo or whatever. So they rely on us to bring them two hours of a mix of award winners from past years and some from new years in kind of a fast paced thing. So if we go into a certain city, it depends on what year we're there as to the choice of films. For instance, in, for a show we do in Maine, we're going to be going into our 11th year. So we've been through the whole stable over the years of and finding new films. But then again, 
more often than not, folks will say before the show or contact somebody and say, will they be playing that one short? We're going to bring some friends or am I bringing my uncle? He's going to love that one. So the fast paced overview uh, objective is to bring these hundreds of people what the short film world is all about, say, for the last 20 years, because otherwise they they just don't see these films. They don't think about them. So that's sort of the mission. But a big key element is theatrical. We are a theatrical event. We have not embraced the virtual world. We've done it. But we are just all about films projected on a real cinema screen with a couple of hundred folks, darkened room. You can't text. You can't be interrupted by the doorbell or somebody talking. And uh, it seems to work for us all these years. I love that idea of giving parameters because too many people lose that concentration as what they say, everything's so fast, everything just is thrown at you all at once. And sometimes you just don't even want to deal with any of that. So I like that factor in there. Well, you know, when you, when you're, paying money and you go on to a virtual event to see a festival or a block of films or whatever. And that's wonderful that these entities can stay in business and stay alive and get the product out there. And filmmakers, of course, it's great for them. But when you're dealing with short films, you're dealing with a story that ends in seven or eight minutes. And if you're watching on your couch and your partner or friend starts talking to you, that you might miss a piece of that short or if, the, or if a text comes in. And if you miss a piece of a short, you might miss the whole story. With a feature, of course, you can go and get a sandwich and come back and it, the storyline will meander back in and, you know, you've got 88 minutes or 90 minutes. But if it's 15 or 10, it's not fair to the filmmaker in that situation. It's great that they have the opportunity, though, during the pandemic that they've been able to see their films seen. Is the average film that you show 10 minutes? Do you have longer ones? Or it, it depends. <clears throat> because I know in film festivals, they would be programming the perfect amount of time would be 12 to 16 minutes for an absolute short. And <clears throat> then the longest short, 34, 38 minutes. But then you, I don't know, has that changed? Well, a running time limit for those who are entering the show has always been 20 minutes. We don't go above that. On average, I would say 8 to 12 is sort of the perfect time for the films we choose. Of course, films are chosen on how we're going to program them in the show, uh, what their genre is. That's something we think we've nailed over the years of how to create Act 1, how to create Act 2, and put in a real mix to it. It's really tough in a one-night show, though, to put a 20-minute film into the show because that's a huge chunk of the two hours. It really has to be a top-flight production, whereas festivals, of course, as you know, have three nights, four nights, whatever it is, and they have their shorts blocks, and then they show a feature. For us, it's like bang, 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 and uh, you hope you end well and that they everybody gets up and applauds. <laughs> that's the, the objective. <laughs> I think you've been very successful if you keep, <laughs> keep going this way. I, I love that idea that you show it in art museums and other venues other than theaters and performing arts centers and the outdoor locations probably work really well. 
Yeah, the, the show in this past September where the, the show was born on Long Island in the town of Westbury, Long Island, and uh, was our 40th anniversary last year at Asbury Shorts. We're actually carrying that into this year because the pandemic has cut the anniversary in half. So we're going to we're going to cheat a little bit. But the town of Westbury uh, brings the show back every year. We're actually paid by them to present free to the public in an outdoor venue in the middle of town. And it was just wonderful this year, uh, 225 folks, some many going back with Asbury to 1981 when we started former guest hosts from our Long Island days. It was a great reunion night, wonderful weather night. And we did a sort of best of uh, show for the, for the little village where it was born, which was pretty cool. I saw the list of your guests, guest hosts of, I am honored to be part of them, but you have other ones. How do you, how do you get the ones that are the big names and are very busy and uh, may not have the time or understanding of what they're asked to do? The Manhattan show has been the basis for that over the many years, because it's easier uh, for a celeb that's based there where we don't have to fly them in or put them up or, you know, car service limo, the whole thing. So it's a one night, one shot deal. When we're on the road, because we usually can't get the big name, we'll go after a local film critic or a, a, a disc jockey or a radio personality. But in, in Manhattan, we've, you know, we've had some great, I mean, my favorite of all time was Melvin Van Peebles, uh, the great African-American director, legendary 60s director, who agreed to do the show, came to the show a bit inebriated and uh, was a sold out Directors Guild Theater on 57th Street. But he got it. He he was he was he was on point and everything. But he was flirting the entire show from the podium with a woman in the front row. <laughs> and <laughs> he did the script well. He got it. It was everything. The films went well. In Act Two, he's seventy one or whatever at the time. He comes back, and he takes his shirt off before introducing the film, and he starts doing push ups on the stage to impress the women <laughs> front row. <laughs> So he was great. Edie Falco was terrific. Our 20th anniversary show. Uh, we've had some uh, Olympia Dukakis was amazing. We've been very lucky. And the reason is we've discovered is they feel uh, they are supporting not only independent filmmaking, but they're supporting the artists who make short films who d- many times don't get the public opportunity that features obviously get. So that a lot of that goes into our pitch to their agents or their publicists. And it's worked out pretty well for us. Harvey Keitel was the most intense of all time. He didn't want to read the script. He didn't want to do anything. He wanted to come out, talk about independent filmmaking and then leave. But he did such an incredible job we were sold out at FIT, a half auditorium. He spoke about independent filmmaking for 15 minutes. You could see the veins in his neck. It was so intense. They gave him a standing ovation at the end of the thing. And he said, good night. <laughs> and he left. <laughs> and he probably thought that was the end of the show. <laughs> so we had to have somebody fill in for the rest of the show. But it was great. It was really good. Oh, my goodness. What is your favorite? Do you have favorites? Yeah, we're actually uh, bringing one of them back for this year uh, tour. Well, my all-time favorite short film comes from 
Belgium, and it was made in the 90s. It's a black and white noir spoof called The Bloody Olive. And <gasps> I remember that one, too. I love that one. That, that's We've been showing that forever. It's so It never gets old. <laughs> it's, you know, black and white, great casting, terrific job by the director and producing team. So that's my all-time favorite. But I'm very excited that we're bringing back the 1990 Oscar winner for Best Animated Short called Balance. We're going to play it in a lot of the places where we know 99% of the audiences have never seen it. Um, the Lowenstein brothers of Germany are these famous animators who made a career doing commercials and features and TV stuff. I think they're based in, in Berlin. But in 1989, they created this seven-minute claymation masterpiece called balance it's on youtube for folks who want to check it out but we're gonna we just got permission that we're gonna play it at a couple of the shows in february and march so i'm excited about that you have a catalog of the shows that i'm sure you do on your website putting them all up there which when they were played and who it's a good idea we really haven't done that too much we've uh We've kept all the playbills and things. I, I guess we're just, it's like we we struggle to just get to the next show <laughs> you know, and stay alive financially. But, you know, kudos to the theater owners and programmers and show bookers that have stayed with us all these years and the sponsors and advertisers, of course. And the model has has worked well in the sense that we, keep it fast paced. There's no panel discussions, no awards, as I said earlier. And then we had a tagline for many years where we said we'd rather have malaria than do a Q and A. <laughs> <laughs> so even if the host is not a top tier celebrity, we've had great professionals like yourself and who get what it is. And it's, a couple of the theater owners have said over the years, Doug, you're like the off, off, off Broadway show of short films. It's kind of that kind of thing. So that's a badge of honor. You're one of a kind <laughs> yeah, I because I don't think anybody else does does this. No, I mean there is a there's a really cool event that goes around the globe. Actually, uh, called the Manhattan Shorts Festival, but that's a competition. Um, they get into different theaters. We see that they've been in a theater we've been in or are coming up after we've been there. But the, it's really cool. They do a great job, and but they put a vote out publicly for vote. You want to make the time as best you can in the two hours that you have with an intermission. And there's popcorn and laughter and crying and or, or a, a rare, cool documentary and just keep it moving. And then if anybody has a question, we can talk in the bar afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure there is one. <laughs> I find that most people after a film want to talk about it, want to discuss it. It's not just an exodus and get into their cars and drive off. Right. And that's what I love about film festivals. And that's what Absolutely. I love about talking to filmmakers who are in attendance when their film is shown. And I do like a good Q&A, but for the most time, some of them, they just don't do their homework. And, and yeah, everything is without further ado. And right. I said, if yeah. I have to hear that one more time. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think for us, it's, you know, curtain up and curtain down. So it's sort of like a, a theatrical event, as I mentioned. You know, one thing that we started to do about 10 years ago, because we our lineup is filled with international entries, we certainly don't have the budget to fly the filmmakers wherever we are. We get their permission or we do a rental or we do we work with the distributor, whatever the negotiations are. But I always make it a point myself or my business partner, whoever's handling the particular show, that just before the encore film, the last film, one of us will go up to say thank you to everyone who's attended, the sponsors, the theater owners. And then I walk to the middle of the stage and I say, well, I don't know if you liked all the films tonight. We hope you like six of the 10. That's something we kind of worked out. But I hope you appreciate the hard work and creativeness that has gone into these amazing independently produced productions that the filmmakers spent their money on the last three years. And I want to take a bow on their behalf and I'll tell the filmmakers how you responded. Usually the audience erupts in applause. And then I, you know, the show's over. I'll email the filmmakers and say, you got a lot of applause. They love the film. It worked out well. So we do, we made that part of the show. I like that. That's well said. And and that, really gives kudos to the filmmakers and you're educating the audience really with all of this they don't realize how much time effort creativity goes into a short film do you get submissions do you find them in a way that you hear about them from of course best in a film festival you'll hear about them but you don't get to see all of the ones that have been programmed in the different film festivals yeah our number one approach is we bring uh interns on who get college credit for helping us do research into finding new films and that's worked out really well it's worked out for them we'll scour the domestic festival world in in the states and find out the award winners at different festivals and see if it works for our show our favorite award is not best in show or or grand prize winner it's the audience favorite award and so those are the ones we seek out first we still we still do get submissions uh, from, because we've been around so long, we, I think we have something like 2,500 entries on Film Freeway that we haven't even seen yet that we have to look at. <laughs> so, but for uh, your first it, show, yeah, exactly. Well, Christine, it's a lot different from back in the day when we would get 250 16 millimeter prints sent to us as entries. And we had to work out, uh, you know, you know, now it's all digital files, so nothing's returned to the filmmaker. 16 millimeter prints and 35 millimeter prints had to be shipped back. Mm-hmm. So we had to work out a deal with the post office for early morning rates. And we'd be at the main post office in Manhattan at two in the morning, shipping back to save on the mailing all these films. Unbelievable. Really, We've what, seen a, what it all. a change. What a change of time. Yeah. I was talking to... Mayra Blaustein in my other conversation with her about going from analog to digital. And and we're from that that era, that time frame. And it was really hard and it was long hours. And I broke a car axle carrying those cans of films to the post office, (laughs) those dailies. And my car is a little two-seater, a Honda Del Sol, and I broke an axle 
Oh, man. Uh, putting all those <laughs> trying to get to the post office before eight o'clock and cramping the, hand, the hands cramping signing writing the addresses and they go okay it's two minutes before eight and they're closing and i've got like another 10 cans to to sign <sighs> off on so oh, yes those, those were those were the days <laughs> you learned all about media mail now <laughs> how that was less expensive than first class and you know but, the, you know, we look back on fond memories with that because we would have weekends of a selection team we'd put together. We would put together folks that we thought represented a different department of the film business that we were working in. So you'd have a location scout or a script supervisor or a key grip. And we wanted to hear what they thought about the film. So we'd invite 10 to 12 of those folks and we'd have three days in a row of, you know, 150, 200 films that we would view but you know that is the case for all film festivals obviously they put juries together and you just hope if you're a filmmaker that if you submit your film and you pay that high fee to some of these festivals you hope that your film is not viewed by the the judge at two in the morning <laughs> you know so you get a right, fair or shoot. the intern that signed on to right. <laughs> take a look at it and give their review so, exactly oh man I know. plus we still have a great relationship with our good friends at the garden state film festival this will be the first year i won't be working on it in 15 years because I, i'm not available for their week in march but it's been a great give and take with them for recommending films to each other and we'll be uh, doing our annual show in Manasquan on March 12th at the Algonquin Arts Theater. And Diane Raver will be the guest host from the Garden State Film Festival of that show. It'll be our 10th year there. So. I, I, I'm familiar with the Algonquin. That's a nice theater. Yeah, we love doing the show there. They're very welcoming. Uh, we've had a great, we didn't, we did, um, we didn't do it last year. So we're coming back. They are open for theatrical presentations with pandemic protocols. And um, we had, a, they had a longtime sponsor for that show that they secured, a gentleman named uh, Peter Flehan, and he passed away last year. Uh, he was always at the show and he loved Asbury Shore. So we're going to dedicate the March 12th show to him and play a film that he really loved at the show. So that's uh, Algonquin and Manasquan on March 12th. Excellent. I'll try to make that one. Never oh, sure. Know. Right great. now we're hibernating things yes. around here. We're still waiting for that, that peak of that surge of Omicron to uh, hopefully it'll die down. Well, if anybody has been through this, you guys have. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're very fortunate. Um, Yuri's playing the violin. Oh. Excellent. Oh, yes. Love it. Love that. Yes. Uh, but uh, we're trying to keep safe, and we want everybody to keep safe. And uh, the protocols and the masking, I think, are the most important, for, especially for, for us to... It's not a bad thing. It's not a big deal. Uh, no. I don't know how else in a movie theater you can't put too many people in, obviously. You can't right. pack them in that way. So that's going to take a little time, but it's possible to do. There's all these things that are possible to do. And the outdoors, it's going to get warmer. The days are getting longer. <laughs> well, I can tell you from an inner city urban experience, which was where I live in the middle of Brooklyn, and I observed because I'm not a quarantiner. I, I didn't stay too long inside. It's just not my nature. But 
I'm on the subway just about every other day. And I'll say that about 99% of the riders and it's packed at times it's packed wear masks. And when I go to places like Trader Joe's or Target or what have, or Atlantic terminal, everybody's wearing masks that I can see. Uh, So folks are doing it and they're hanging in there and they're doing, having their lives, but they're understanding the protocol. Unfortunately for those who are unvaccinated, they've got a long road ahead of them. So. Yeah, well, we were vaccinated, so that can happen also. Uh, But it's so great that you are continuing doing this programming for people to come out and see these films and see these short films and really have a good time for two hours. We've been very lucky with the product over the years. And that's the challenge moving forward is uh, since you when you're established and you have a returning audience, you have to come back with a full show of what we call Asbury quality shorts and finding uh, 10 to 12 new ones at some of these venues. That's our biggest challenge going forward now. So, and for anybody in your audience, we're open call for entries, Asbury shorts, USA. <laughs> so I was going to say, how else can they find you? Let's say there are some venues that are, are looking for programming like this. How do they find you? The best thing is to uh, go to, we have this modest but new website, which is asburyshortsusa.org. The contact info is on there. If a theater is interested in getting in touch with us, they'll find us there. If a filmmaker wants to get in touch with us, we're we're, we're sort of like the, the most flexible folks in the world of the festival world or whatever you call it. Uh, we'll talk to filmmakers all the time. If it's not right for our show, we'll recommend 15 festivals to them outright that they should be entering their film sh- film into. Just want to keep the dialogue go- going and keep it open. And hopefully we'll book more venues as this thing uh, fades away. I think that's brilliant because you never know what they're going to come up with next. Or you don't know who they know and recommend to come to you and you have the next great short film to, to show people. Yeah. We rely on what our audience has told us over the years and they seem to like this mix of, um, you know, comedy, comedy, drama, doc, comedy. (laughs) And then you come into the next act and you will, as always at Asbury shorts concert, we will throw things in unannounced, a quickie spoof commercial from the 50s or, or a, an old, a short that's very short from past shows. We won't put it in the playbill. And when it hits the screen, we just love the, those who've been at the show before. We'll go, oh, yes, look what they've got. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, no, here it comes. So that's keep them guessing kind of thing uh, helps with the. Uh, production and the excitement of the show on a show night. Wouldn't they call that an Easter egg? Something that you would find or... Right. I look look for that in films all the time. So I will look for it in your show. Excellent. (laughs) Thanks. That's cool. No, it's very cool. Well, you know, I uh, wish you the best and thanks so much for for doing this i really appreciate the the shout out to our what we call the little engine that could film show <laughs> you yeah, you're solid absolutely <laughs> solid for all these years consistent so you're the pulse of the audience just by being regular people dedicated classy smart film i wish there'd be more 
like that around that people would could learn from you because uh, I learned uh, a lot from you. Thank you kindly. I appreciate it. And likewise, and we'll have to one day down the road, do the show together again. I would love that. Definitely. With a vodka martini or something. <laughs> no other better way to do it. <laughs> a martini. I'm going to look for that. Can we find that anywhere? I, I have to, I, I have to show that to Yuri. He would love it. Absolutely oh. love it. <laughs> That's great. This is great. Oh, wonderful. So you have the schedule online. What we have so far as we're right. building it back up, it's we've just added two more shows, so we have to get those on the website. I will tell you that you, I'll invite you to a really cool spot in uh, Westfield, New Jersey. Yeah, um, you used to play there all the time. Okay, so there's this thing called the James Ward Mansion, I guess, on Main Street. And a young woman named Gina Rodriguez has run a film festival out of there for four or five years now. And we met a few years back and we're combining our talents first Saturday in May. I'll, I'll get to the info as we get closer. So she's going to do a kids film festival during the day. And we're going to do the 40th anniversary Asbury shorts show at night in the mansion. Nice. In Westfield. So we'll, we need to get that on the website, but uh, I'm excited about that one. I like the space. Yes, please cool. keep me informed. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Looking yeah. forward to it. I want to see what comes, what's coming out there now. Oh it's, gosh, it'll be yes. great. It'll be yep. great. Oh, good to see you. Good, good to see you, Christina. Thanks again. And you guys take really good care of yourselves, and we'll all be in the same place very soon. Okay. <laughs> take care. Bye. Thank you. Okay. See you. So, there you have it. March 12th. Algonquin Theatre, Manasquan, and Mates in Westfield. Find out more on asburyshorts.org. And finding Asbury quality shorts is their biggest challenge. I love that optimism. Looking forward to more audience favorite. Thanks for listening.